Good morning to each one. God bless you for being here. <clears throat> Appreciate that song, Oh Holy Night. That's probably one of my, probably is my favorite uh, Christmas song. I always enjoy that song and uh, listen to it. It's a little hard to sing it, so usually I just listen, but... Uh, you ever see me uh, going down the road in my truck and I'm just just singing away in there, that's probably what I'm listening to. So. Anyway, um, a couple weeks ago, uh, quite a few were missing, don't remember who all anymore, uh, but uh, we had a bunch of visitors and uh, in our Sunday school, our men's Sunday school class, we just had one class and uh, the title of the lesson was... Uh, well, let me find it here. Contending for the faith. And uh, it was on the book of Jude. And uh entire book on one, one, one lesson. And we had a good discussion, but we went, I, thought, I felt we went so far down a bunny trail that we were in a different briar patch and didn't really even talk about contending for the faith. And uh, so you ladies probably stayed on track. You're probably better at that than we are. And so hopefully this is not, the message today is not um, repetitious for you. Uh, but I uh, I haven't forgotten that lesson. And so I'd like to look at, at, at some of those things. That's the title that I'm giving the message this morning is Earnestly Contending for the Faith, which is what the... Uh, the verse in Jude says, and just like to look at some things and what that means and and what what it looks like in everyday life, and it's, it's been a challenge to me uh, thinking about that. Are we on fire for God? Are we? Uh, uh, what 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 context is this in? What what are we facing? And uh, you know the the faith. What is the faith? That's the first thing we need to look at. What's he mean by that? Um, so uh, the verse is. The third verse in the book of Jude, uh, well, let, me, let me read the first three verses. It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. In verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And later we'll look at the following verses and see why, why he's saying this. But first of all, let's, let's, let's look at what, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear, uh, when you, when you hear that, contending for the faith. What, what are we contending for here? What does that mean? What is the faith? How do we define that? Um, I think well, that's what unites us, right? It's the uh, earlier in the verse he talks about the common salvation, and I think that's that would be a kind of similar meaning. It's, it's our common faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we. Um, that's the faith, right? I mean, that's it's it, we talk about people coming to faith, and now they could be coming to faith in. We usually use it in the the, the context of. Uh, of Christianity, or how to talk about it. we're people of faith, and that's good. But there's also people who have a lot of faith in a lot of other things, and uh, 
I don't even remember who all was involved in the discussion the other day where somebody was talking about aliens, and I said, you know, people, they, they want to believe in aliens, but then they don't want to believe in angels and demons. And I think it's just a distraction that the devil uses. You know, they want to believe in something extraterrestrial, but no, no, it wouldn't be angels, no. wouldn't be God. That's impossible, but now aliens, that would be possible. That makes a lot of sense. So they're people of faith, but they have faith in something else. Or they have faith in Allah, the Muslims do, or Buddha, or whatever their God is. But this is the faith in Jesus Christ. In uh, the book of Titus, first chapter, verse 4, Paul is addressing Titus. He says, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith. He says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. But he he says, he's mine own son after the common faith. His spiritual son, basically. And again, this common faith. Romans chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, that, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith. So it's this faith that we all have in our Creator, Jesus Christ, our Savior. 2 Corinthians 4.13, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that's this faith that we're talking about. So we need to first agree before we can earnestly contend, and we'll look at the definition of that in a minute, but we need to know what we're contending for, right? Now I studied this quite a bit, this earnestly contend in the Greek and things. So the Greek word that's used here, and it's, it's used as earnestly contend. That is, it comes from a word, one word. In the English, it's two words, earnestly contend. So don't want to split them up. And in a way, um, yeah, if you look up the Greek word, search the Greek word that, uh, in the King James at least, that is used here, comes up one time, Jude chapter 3. Now, there's the root word of that. Uh, that's, it's a word that comes out of two other, two other Greek words. And the root of that has a similar meaning. We'll look at some of those verses later. Uh, but they, they would mean, uh, it's translate, that root is sometimes translated as strive or fight. So that's the idea here. Uh, it's putting forth effort uh, is what we're trying to do here for, the, for, this, for this, common, uh, this common faith that we have. This morning, I, uh, I hope this flows here because I during the uh, during the night, I, 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 interesting night. But anyway, um, I was up from eleven to three, and then I slept a few hours and got back up. And then I, there was things that I know I'd written down that weren't in my notes anymore. Somehow, I got deleted or I didn't save it right or something. So I hope I try to put things back in. I may have missed things that I was going to say. So hopefully, this this flows here. But. Uh, I decided to just go and read some of the lesson commentary in that Sunday school lesson because uh, I, I made some notes about this earlier. About the, it talks about the Greek origins and stuff, and I couldn't remember how it all written it down. But it was the gist of it was what it said in this lesson commentary. So I'm just going to read that paragraph. Uh, it says several men in the New Testament were named Judas or Jude. In the book of Jude, the writer introduces himself as the brother of James. He was likely also a brother of Jesus, but more importantly, he was a servant of Jesus Christ. 
which we see in verse 1, the spiritual relationships are stronger than blood relationships. Because Jude wanted to write a letter about the blessings of the common salvation, but realized the urgency of warning of false teachers and challenging his readers to contend for the faith. The Greek word translated contend, I won't try to pronounce the Greek word, refers to struggling or laboring fervently. To get the idea, struggling or laboring fervently. The last part of the word gives us the English word agonize. A form of the same word, translated fight, was used by the Apostle Paul when he said, fight the good fight of faith in 1 Timothy 6.12. And again, when he wrote, I have fought a good fight in 2 Timothy 4.7. Same word is also translated as strive or striving. Paul's teaching within the church is always more subtle and dangerous than threats from without. Um, yeah, I'll stop right there. False teaching within the church is more subtle than dangerous than threats from without. We'll talk about that later. So here they make it sound like it's the same word, but it, from what I could find personally, it's actually the root word of the word that's used here that's translated as strive and, and those other things. For example, uh, Luke thirteen twenty four, Jesus said, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many I say unto you will seek to enter in and will shall not be able. That's the same, coming from the same origin. We've got to work. We've got to do our thing. We got to, it, it's, it's hard sometimes, but it's worth it. Zealous passion might be a definition we could use. What's Ecclesiastes 9, 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. So if we're going to contend for the faith, if we're going to work in this faith, then let's do it with everything we've got, right? That's, that's the idea I'm getting here, is earnestly contend. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel the edifying of the church. I didn't know that. I never noticed that verse before. If you're, if you're going to be zealous about spiritual gifts, he says, excel at it. Do, do your best. Be good at it. Well, if you're good at singing, then sing the best. If you have the gift of whatever it is, teaching, then teach with everything you've got. Get good at it. So practically, what does it look like to earnestly contend for the faith? In that, in that Sunday school lesson, the first question was, is contending for our faith as necessary today as it was in Jude's time? Yes. That's the answer. In short, um, it's just as necessary. I don't think it's more necessary. I think, you know, that often we, we want to we wanna, um, romanticize or we want to put people on a pedestal in the in the New Testament. And yes, there were the apostles. They did personally walk with Jesus. So they had some advantage. They were great men of God, no doubt. But they contended for the faith too. And we're going to look at some examples. They had some... Uh, we're going to look at an example when Peter got chewed out because he didn't... He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And Paul took him to task for it. Those things happen just back then, just like they do now. So nothing has changed in that sense. It's, it doesn't just happen that we are, that the, 
the, the faith doesn't just happen. And we have to work. And we have to, um, to maintain our faith. And we come, come to faith, that's all well and good. We must maintain. And, by do, and one way of doing that is to earnestly contend, to keep working at it. And that's how, just like, any, just like a skill, you know, if we, if we have uh, many, of you, uh, many of us maybe have something we're good at. But if we would just stop doing that uh, and not do it for five, ten years, we would lose some of that skill. And same way in our Christian walk. We, we're walking with God. And if we don't exercise that, then we're going to come weak and we're eventually going to lose it. Now, and that's, and I, want to, I don't know if that's not... There's more to it than just a skill, but if you know what I'm saying. So let's look at the rest of the, chat, of the book of Jude now. So, because the next verse, we looked at verse 3, about earnestly contending for the faith. And then in verse 4, it's this... Verse 4 starts out with the word for, F-O-R. So, it's going to explain why we need to contend for the faith. Why? For there are certain men, crept in unawares, who were behold of old, ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's some big words in there. He's saying there's Men that have crept in unawares, and they have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. What does that mean? I'm going to read you this same verse in the Amplified Version. It makes maybe a little bit more sense to us. It says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, just as if they were sneaking in by a side door. They are ungodly persons whose condemnation was predicted long ago. For they distort the grace of God into... King James used lasciviousness, we don't even use that word, but they distorted the grace of God into decadence and immoral freedom, viewing it as an opportunity to do whatever they want and deny and disown our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think there's any of these people here this morning, but they're all around us and they want to influence us. And we need to be aware of that. And the reason that we need to earnestly contend for the faith just like in Jude's time, because there's these people that are out there. And they want to deceive us. And they want to draw us away. And they want us to distort the grace of God into decadence and immoral freedom. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains, under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. Here's some of the signs of these false teachers, people that you don't want to go after. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, just not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked these. He's saying, uh, that, yeah, the, the angel didn't even dare speak against the devil. He says, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. They got more guts than the angel does. I mean, they've got, they don't understand what they're dealing with even. 
But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally, as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. He's talking about uh, these three rebellious people. And they have something on that too. Uh, Cain is a picture of unrighteousness and hatred. Balaam had the spirit of deceit and covetousness. And he rebelled against the godly leadership of Moses and Aaron. No, I'm sorry. I missed a line. The spirit of deceit and covetousness, though he professed to be a prophet of God. So Balaam, he, he professed to be a prophet of God, but he was deceitful. He wasn't. And then Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, in number 16, rebelled against the godly leadership of Moses and Aaron. Such sin undermines the leadership and authority of the church. That's what he's warning against. People like that. People like Cain. People like Balaam. People like... Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And he says, use these word pictures now in the next couple of verses. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. And he's talking about communion. When you commune with these people, it's like a spot in your feast. It's like a spot in your garment. It's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a flaw. It's, it's, it's something that's not right. Feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water. Just empty vessels. Carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit. Twice dead. Plucked up by the roots. What a desolate picture of these poor people. Raging waves of the sea. Foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Very bleak picture. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying. Behold the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all. And to convince all their ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, of all their hard speeches with ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Does that sound like any preachers you've heard? One Walt was talking about this morning. Every time he preaches, he wants to promote a book. He was talking about that in our Sunday school class. That's what this sounds like, right? Got all these good speeches, great swelling words. People admire them. They've got their private jets and their yachts. But beloved, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's warning us now. How that they told you. There should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory and with exceeding joy to the only wise God or Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. You know, I like how it goes here. He tells us, you know, it's, it's not in vain. Build up yourself. Then he goes and he says, but some have compassion. Don't just write everybody off. There's hope for some. 
Others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I take that to mean scare them. Be bold about it. But he says, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. We have to hate that, though. We can't have that. But the people, we want them to change their garment, right? And he goes on to give this what's often used as a benediction. Unto him, unto him, who is able to keep you from falling. That, that's how we keep from falling. It's because of God's grace. It's nothing that we have done. But God is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power. He is worthy both now and ever. Amen. So, this instance, we're talking about earnestly contending for the faith, striving, pressing forward, working, moving. And then he says, the reason we need to do that is because of false teachers. Now, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to read uh, probably most of this chapter 2. Oh, I'm in 2 Timothy. Let's see here. Again, he talks uh, in verses 11 and 12, is what I want to focus on. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith. Same word. It's earnestly contending. Same root word, at least. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, think about that. Here we, are, here we have again the same idea of fighting. And we need to press forward. Now, let's read. Let's start in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 6 and see what's leading up to this. This warning to, these, to us as men of God to flee these things. Second Timothy chapter, I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1 is where I'm reading from. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believe, believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, what's that sound like? False teacher, right? We just talked about false teachers. And consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words. Whereof cometh envy? Strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith... And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Then we, verse 11 and 12 again. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. So he's, here he is again. Right back. In the, as he's, this is now Paul, not Jude, warning us. But he's also bringing in false teachers. Interesting. 
Verse 11, but thou, man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Verse 13, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times... He shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world. So earlier he was talking about, he, made, he was really down on, on people uh, that, are, that want to be rich. But now he says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Doesn't say they can't be rich, but don't be high minded. You know better than anybody else, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, and they be rich in good works. That's the important thing, he says, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That, why? That they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoiding profane and vain babblings and opposition of science, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. So again, we have a warning couched in warnings against false teaching. We have a call to fight the good fight of faith. So this must be something important. Maybe we're not paying enough attention to. But I like how he says here, but thou, O man of God, we don't just fight, but we, we fill ourselves. Follow after these things. We follow after righteousness. We follow after godliness, after faith, after love, after patience, after meekness. Plenty of things to fight for. We're not just fighting against. Fight for these things. We want to fill our life with these things. We seek to become this. This is our desire to be godly. Be full of faith. Be full of love. And fight. We must fight. We're designed to fight. We as men. And we often, we've often heard before, if we don't fight things we need to be fighting, we tend to fight each other. And that's not good. Okay, i got a few more scriptures. Uh, let's see what, what, else, what else we have to... Uh, what other reasons we have? There's some other reasons that we need to be... Uh, earnestly contending for the faith, not just because there's false teachers out there. But I found it interesting that these two scriptures were both kind of in that, in that line. All right, let's go to Colossians chapter 1 now. As you notice, we're kind of staying in this back of the New Testament here, and that's where we're going to stay too. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. He's talking about Jesus here, whom we preach, warning every man... And teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Go back to that same root word, striving. Why does he say? Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that, that we may present every man perfect to Christ Jesus. That's, that's, that's why we strive. That's why we contend for the faith, to bring others with us. And we can present, as a congregation, all present each other to God. 
perfect, perfect in Christ Jesus. And in verse 29 it says, Whereunto I also labor, striving. It's work. It doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of effort. According to his working, which worketh in me. So God works in me, and then I strive to help you. And you do the same for me. And we all do it. And then we reach outside of this building. We bring more in. That's why we earnestly contend. We strive. We fight. That's what that means. Now, stay in Colossians. Go to chapter 4. Paul is winding down the book of Colossians now, chapter 4. And he's, he's calling out different people. This brother, this brother. Tell this brother that. Verse 12, Epaphras. Who's one of you? What's he say about Epaphras? A servant of Christ saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. That's a good man. That ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that what? What does he have? He hath a great zeal for you. And then they're in Laodicea and them in Heropolis. So I take it that Epaphras was with Paul, but he was from Ephesus. And he said, Paul, this is what Paul observed always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you laboring fervently for anyone in prayer that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, much less someone in another town? Are you doing that for anybody here in this building? I hope so. I hope you're doing it for me. I need it. Paul says, for I bear him record. Paul's seen this. That he has a great zeal for the people of Ephraim. Of I keep saying. I'm getting all mixed up here. Ephraim and Ephesians and Colossians. Anyway, the people of Colossae, not, not, not Ephesus. His, his name got me mixed up here. He has a great zeal for the people of Colossae. And not just them, them that are in Laodicea and them in Heropolis. He's got three towns he's passionate about. I'm not sure I've got one town, or one church, or one person that I'm earnestly contending for. Challenge to me to labor fervently in prayer. Something we can all do. We can all pray. It doesn't take any. We can do it laying flat on our back. In a hospital bed or whatever we're doing, we can pray. All right, Galatians now, chapter 2. Back up a few few books. <clears throat> Could read the whole chapter. I don't think we're going to do that. Let's read the verses... Uh, 
see. Okay, this is, yeah, this is the one I was talking about earlier. Um, so it talks about, uh, let's see where we need to start here. Anyway, Paul was talking about, uh, he had been uh, to Jerusalem and different things, and then he starts in verse, uh, verse 11. It says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. I took a lot of courage. Peter was, he was acknowledged as the leader of the apostles. Paul says, I withstood him to his face. Because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which of the, were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles. Now, Peter, he talked a good game, but he was afraid of people. And so he, he said, yeah, it's okay to eat with the Gentiles. They don't need to be circumcised. It's okay to eat with them. And he would eat with them until certain people of the Jews that didn't really like that position came in, then he just caved, and he would, then he would remove himself. He wouldn't eat with them. He was afraid. He had a fear of man. Everybody shouldn't say this, but it sounds like some Mennonite preachers I've been around. They talk good, but then things seem to fall apart when the right when the peer pressure is applied. I'm probably just as guilty as any of them, too. I'm not saying that. But it wasn't right. Paul called him out on it. He defended the faith. What are we willing to confront people with? You know, I, I like to make the excuse, well, you know, I'm just not that kind of person. I wonder if Paul was. I, I, I bet he wasn't. Is it because we're not willing to stand up for what's right because we're not that kind of person? We don't like confrontation. Or is it because we just don't care enough? If we really care enough, we're going to do whatever it takes. My, if, if our child is out in the middle of the road and there's a trailer truck coming and there's a few people in the way, well, I'm not the kind of person to just rush over there and push somebody out of the way to rescue a child. We're not going to care. We're going to go. Gonna push people in the ditch, whatever we have to do to get that child out of the way. On the train track, I just an article. There was a Pennsylvania. There was a the old order of Mennonites. There's a little uh, one and a half year old child got hit by a train on the train track, killed the child. If we saw that. We would we'd be doing our best. I hope we would be. And yet, when souls are at stake, we don't want to offend anybody, so we don't do it. I'm guilty. <clears throat> Philippians 
chapter 1 now. Verse 27. Let's see here, is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, Philippians 1, 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving, again, that same word, striving together for the faith of the gospel, earnestly contending together. That's what we must do. For the common goal, strength in numbers. Paul says, whether he's there or not, he hears of their affairs. He says, stand fast in one spirit. That's, that's the key. It's being the one spirit, which is the spirit of unity, the spirit of Christ. With one mind, one goal. And then we strive together. We can accomplish great things for the kingdom. Those that contend must stick together for the common goal I wrote down there. Second Peter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Peter says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Which were, yeah, that's what I was going to read. Something's not right here. Let's see here. One, twelve. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Uh, it says those that contend must be reminded. And he's talking about stirring each other up. That's the point I wanted to make here. The people of God, those that contend, we need to be constantly reminded of what we're fighting for. Because we forget. And we're human. And, and I like how Peter says uh, here, he says... Uh, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, then I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep stirring you up by putting you in remembrance. We have to, that's why we preach every Sunday, and we preach on sometimes the same subject. Because we need to be reminded. We forget. Revelation 3. Those that contend must repent. Revelation three nineteen, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He says, be zealous, therefore, similar word, and repent. Many as I love, God loves us. He says, he rebukes and chastens us. And then he tells us to be zealous, therefore, and then he says, and repent. He goes on to talk about him that overcometh. Last one I have is 2 Timothy 4. I'll leave this as a challenge to us. First nine verses of 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want you, we can put our own name in here. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. 
It's God. He tells us, tells Timothy here to preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. These are the things we do. This is how we fight. This is how we earnestly contend. For the time will come, he says, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And shall be turned into fables. What a sad thing. But, he says, watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Here we get to this word again. I have fought a good fight. Can we say that at the end of our life? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And then what happens henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Shall we strive? Shall we earnestly contend? Shall we zealously work for the kingdom of God so that we can all gather and receive the crown that is laid up for us. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, not the corrupt judge, the righteous judge, if we deserve a crown, we'll get it. If we don't deserve one, we'll get it. It'll be a righteous judgment. Let's kneel for prayer.